Hey, welcome to Down in the Valley. You're listening to our podcast version, Running in Syndication, thanks to our friends at the Beautiful Game Network. We air live on Thursdays at 7 p.m. Central on our YouTube channel. So don't forget to subscribe to it at youtube.com slash down in the valley. And follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at down in the RGB. Be sure to join us live on the show to interact in real time with us to talk all about RGBFC. Thank you and enjoy the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Down in the Valley. My name is Edson Ochoa, and accompanying me, like every every week, is my other my co-host Jacob Young. Jacob, how are you doing, man? Doing well. Looking forward to this show. It should be a good one. A uh, lot to talk about as we do face San Antonio FC, and we did face the Austin Bold FC too. So much to talk about. Yeah, so in one week we we've already uh we're going to be playing <laughs> Yeah, Blues. Yeah, we're we're almost it's almost going to uh, we're almost going to start the beginning of the season um which should be on on March 9th at Tacoma. Um but yeah, what I was going to say is like we've played against two Texas teams so far in in the span of a week and uh I wish we could have got we could have uh played against uh El Paso Locomotive. I've heard good things about them so far from um, from people that have seen seen them play, but uh, I guess we'll, I guess we'll see what happens when we play them in during the regular season. <laughs> yeah, Blues, we we added we added video for for both uh, both of the hosts, and uh, hope you hope you enjoyed. Uh, big shout out to everybody that's out there right now watching uh, to all our, our viewers so far. If you guys if you guys haven't done it, be sure to like this video. Be sure to share it with. With your friends, with your your Dynamo buddies, your RGV buddies, whatever. Even if even San Antonio buddies, I don't care. You know, audience is audience, I guess. Um, but before I go on, I just want to go ahead and, and uh, thank you all for coming and uh, and watching us. Um, be sure to follow us in our in our social media. We have our English Twitter, which is your typical. At down in the RGV, we have also added a Spanish Twitter, which is at DITV podcast underscore ES. Uh, so be sure to follow those accounts. Be sure to also follow our Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash down in the RGV. Uh, be sure to check out all of our podcasts um, in uh, Spotify, SoundCloud, um, uh, Google, Google Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher. And, and be sure to subscribe to to all our podcasts. Listen to them, share them. Uh, that's that's how we w- we will continue to grow uh, the the word of the Toro. Um, and other, but other than that, also be sure to check out that we have some uh, things planned. I know our our web website is is still down. Um, there are some there are some plans. So Jacob, I'm gonna I'm actually gonna be get in contact real quick uh, with everybody else about about that. Because uh, I talked to Sean about it, so I just want to keep you all updated in, in that aspect. Um, but other than that, you know, uh, let's go ahead and get started with the show. So last Saturday, uh, RGBFC hosted the Austin Bold uh, at HB Park uh, during that week and last week's episode. Uh, if you guys recall, we had uh, Kit McConico, uh, who is uh, the host for the throw-in in Austin, Texas. 
and he talked he talked a little bit about about the bold uh he talked about how they've been they had been playing during the preseason uh what we could expect from them you know during the season and so i'm gonna be honest like going into this match going into this this preseason match at hb park i was expecting i was expecting it to be tough for uh for the toros uh i was expecting you know to see Austin Bold continue to dominate uh, possession possession of the ball, have uh, clear opportunities on goal, but the the complete opposite happened. You know, the Toros looked so composed out there on the pitch. You know, they they did not let they did not let players like Dario Conca or Xavi uh, or, or Chris Turpak or Xavi Baez, you know, get get the better get the better of uh, of them. I like the way our, our our midfield played. I like the way our defense played. And Nico Cordy, you know, really looked really looked good out there. Uh, and you went went to cover cover the angles, uh, went how how to lead. And I have to say that even though we did not see uh, what's uh, Connor Donovan out there, um, you know what we saw from uh, from Kyle Adams acting as the leader in that back line. A lot of good stuff. I, I think that that we got to be hyped for for the season. For sure, a lot of great stuff that we saw last night, or well, wow, last night, a week ago, really. Um, but I still saw some lapses, and of course, yes, you're going to have those lapses in preseason. But it was from just at the closing stages of the half, or at least one of the halves. Really, I did see the Toros. Basically, they lost possession sometimes, and that kind of hurt us in the end. Because, given the fact that Austin Bold had a couple of chances at the end, yes, we also did uh, give up a goal where it was tied one-one, I believe, at the half. Yes, RTVFC, there was signs of life because of the fact that we did score more than two goals. Which is awesome. I mean, that's what I want to see as well. I don't want to see us give up a last-minute goal, which also didn't happen too. So that was mm-hmm. a great sign. But at the same exact time, you've got to keep those middle lapses to a minimum. And yes, we did give up a goal. I'd like to see us get a shutout in San Antonio. Of course, it's probably not going to happen. But something of that sort in a shutout, that would have been nice to see. Yeah, but think think about it this way: like, so yes, the mid the midfield on uh, that transition from defense to attack kind of looked a bit shaky. At times, we, we kind one of the tri- the trialists that was playing alongside uh, Romilio. Uh, no, it wasn't Romilio. It was uh, Brad Dunwell. Uh, Brad, uh, Brad Dunwell and a trialist were the starters of this match, if I'm not mistaken. Jacob, go ahead and tell us who the starters for that uh, for that match were. Don't don't forget not to mention the trialists. So, okay. So I also mentioned the trialists. Okay. No, no, don't mention them. Oh, don't mention them. Yes. Okay. So of course you had at goal Nico Cordy with Robert Castellanos at midfield. Then you had Camilo Monroy with Romilio Hernandez. Camilo Monroy being our forward and Romilio Hernandez being our defender there. Then it was Brad Dunwell, as you did mention, and Wilmer Cabrera Jr., which that's pretty huge. Um, and then the midfield slash defender here was Andrew Sa- Samuels or Samuels. Yes. 
And then you had Kyle Adams and Carlos Small to round out that lineup. Yes, of course, you had two uh, trialists who did start that match as well. Uh, or, hello? Well, oh, there no, we go. I t- actually... So, so pretty much what we saw from this from this match it was your typical four two three one formation. Kenny, not now. Um, you had, like you said, Nico Cordy on goal. You had a line of four. You had um, uh, you had Kyle Adams and and uh, Omar. No, not uh, Robert Castellanos as your center backs. You had, uh, I believe, it was Samuels. Playing as right back, and you had a trialist playing as left back, if I am not mistaken. Then you had the uh, the two defensive midfielders, which were Brad Dunwell and the other trialist. And then up on top, you had Camilo Monroy on your le- as a left winger. You had Wilmer Cabrera Jr. behind uh, Carlos Small. And on the other, and on the uh, the right winger, if I'm not mistaken, it was uh, no, I'm, I'm no, I'm missing somebody. Hey, how you doing, Callow and Blues? Uh, who am I missing? Was it another? I, it wasn't another trialist. Well, two trialists did start, and yeah, one was one the of defen- them was a midfielder. That well, yeah, that was the other defensive midfielder. It was so it was Camilo Monroy. Uh, Carlos Small as a, as a striker, Wilmer Capura Jr., uh, Brad Dunwell, uh, uh, what was his name? Sa- Samuels, Andrew Samuels, Kyle Adams, uh, Robert Castellanos, the other trialist, and uh, Nico Cordy. I know I'm miss- I know I'm missing a, a name because I'm missing the right the the right winger. Right winger. Well, I don't believe you are. Let me let me check because I know I wrote it down. I know I wrote it down that day at the mm-hmm. uh, at, at the match. Let me mm-hmm. get that really quickly for you. Uh, okay, it was Andrew. Yeah, so Romilio. So Romilio did play. It was Romilio and Brad Dunwell mm-hmm. that were play that were playing uh, a center defensive midfielder. Wait, hold on. Unless, unless Wilmer, because Wilmer, I know, was playing behind the, behind Carlos Small. Mm-hmm. And then you had, and I, I know I always kept on seeing Brad Dunwell and, and the other trialist playing, playing a defensive midfielder. So I'm guessing Romilio kind of had some, uh, some sort of, uh, right wing or, or right mid position. Um, so it looked pretty good for the most part. I know we were, we were missing a couple of starters like, uh, Aldo Quintanilla, who's out, uh, with an ACL injury. He, he will be out for the season. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, he said six months minimum. So we won't have Aldo Quintanilla next, uh, next season. Um, we didn't have Chuy, Chuy Enriquez, uh, playing today or, or that game. We did not have uh, Malik Foster start that match, so we had a couple of our big guys up uh, up in front, up and up on top, not playing. So, and even through that, 
what I saw and what I liked about about this uh, about this Toros team was the constant pressure they tried to put on Austin Bold whenever they tried to to attack and they had the ball and in their end of the field they tried to uh, really pressure them up there and it worked because at the third minute that's when uh, Romilio takes the ball away passes it to Wilmer Cabrera Jr. Wilmer Cabrera Jr. sends a through ball over to Carlos Small and he like you know Carlos Small just doing Carlos Small things and finishing it a in a beautiful manner chipping it over the over the keeper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, this was a as the title says and it's just true. This was a bold statement considering we did give up one goal without most of our starters. I mean, you you mentioned basically all of them and those were key players that helped us through the middle of the season where we actually saw life through our team without just having the dynamo players that had to be brought down. And of course, some of them had to be taken away from us as well, which in the sense was okay because I think it worked out well for both sides. Yes, both sides did not make the playoffs, but one side favored a bit better than the other. And so this is a strong team and there's promise for this season if you're going to be like that with the with the basically bench warmers in a sense, then it's going to be a great season. We have depth. Yeah. Uh, so Blues fan says, uh, isn't Wilmerson going to Butler? Yes. He is going to Butler, but remember that uh, it's a while before they have to go back to school because right now they're already in the middle. They're in the middle of the semester, so I'm pretty sure he ha- he signed to start for next uh, next semester. So we'll have him for we'll have him for the beginning and the middle of the, of the season. He might leave uh, towards the end the end uh, parts of the season, um, but yes, he is going to Butler. Um, and we're probably gonna we're probably gonna lose him, like I said, at the late the almost to the end of the regular season. So it'll be interesting to see if hopefully uh, they're able to get find a replacement. Uh, yes, Callow, correct. He probably signed up for the fall. Uh, there, we'll be interested to see if they can find a replacement for uh, Wilmer Cabrera Jr. If not already, because you also have to remember that Malik Foster is also is also going to be leaving in the middle in the middle of the season. So I'm assuming either we can we'll get some of these trialists that uh were uh that are on right now uh with the team that have not been announced to signed yet or it'll be a mid-season signing depend uh, once the uh summer transfer window begins. Yeah, exactly. And let's not forget what happened last year for a midseason signing. We had one of the best midseason signings in Toro's history. Obviously, we've only been a team for about four years now. Uh, that that might be an understatement. Might I might have my years off, but we're in like the beginning. Yeah, we're in the beginning of our fourth season. 2016 yeah. was inaugural. 2017, 2018, 2019. Okay, so I was correct. That's good. Um, 
Yeah, we had Carlos Small. So you look at how much he impacted throughout half that season, how he helped um, Bryce Marion and or former Bryce Marion, really, and of course uh, Carlos or excuse me, Chewy Enriquez there. Mm-hmm. And we had this kind of offensive feel to it that was perfect. So Calu brings up an interesting question. He says, what I don't get... He says, what I don't get is how his son can play in USL and still be NCAA eligible. You tend to lose eligibility once you take a paid contract on a professional team for most NCAA sports. Um, That is a really good question for Ray. But as far as I know, he might probably have an amateur contract. Which means he gets to play with a professional team, but he doesn't get paid. And I think that's... and And with that you're able to keep eligibility to, to if he were to play an NCAA, which he ended up deciding. I think this was a decision that, ha- that had been in the works for a while now. I don't think it was like from one night to another, oh, I'm going to go back to, I'm going to go back to college. Um, so I think that's what, that's what it is. Like I said, they don't let it, they don't, we don't know 100% any of these details uh, because, you know, it's USL. But if you have an amateur contract, as long as you don't get paid or receive any uh, tangible mon- monetary benefits, you should still re- remain eligible for NCAA. Yeah, that, that seems to be correct. It is very stressful and confusing with the NCAA. Hashtag players should get paid, but that's a totally different story. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Yes, it will be sad when he leaves, but like I said, we have the resources to get a better player, too. Well, I say, well, not even just a better player, but just a player that can help out the Toros and probably end up making the Dynamo, because by now we know what uh, Wilmer Cabrera wants, what his whole staff behind him wants for his first team. And of course, when you know what that ha- when you know what they want, of course, you bring in the players that are young to basically build this, build their team, and so it can end up going in a way both ways. How long has the Dynamo announced how long Eric Bird is going to be out? Who's to say that by the time that Wilmer Cabrera leaves to play for Butler, that's when uh, Eric Bird will start to begin. You will start to begin uh, being uh, ready to go out on the pitch. Yeah, that might be exactly. a possibility, but that's kind of pushing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, as far because I know. The as far as the depth with the Dynamo in that position, we have Tomas Martinez, we have uh, we have Tommy McNamara, we have Boney. Boney, but Boney usually plays more at the defensive position. Although this match against Guastatoya, he played as a he played a more of an attacking minded role. Um, who else? Who else do they have? Yeah, um, I think I think as far as center attacking midfielders, that's what we have. And besides Eric Bird, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
I believe that you're correct on that. And I, for Houston, of course, I don't believe that they need anyone else really in that position. But of course, for the Toros, we kind of maybe need someone in that position just to help benefit like we saw on the pitch on Saturday. Mm-hmm. That's the whole reason why Cabrera, uh, Cabrera has been such a huge help to the Toros. Once we figured out that we were going to have him last year, that ended, and once he was able to uh, get onto the pitch, it was shockingly impressive from the first minute, which, hey, that's something that you need. You need that electricity from the start. You need that chemistry, and boom. So someone to get that, to be basically like him in a way or their own style is going to be huge, of course. By midseason, like we said, is probably when he'll leave, and we'll, who knows, we'll probably get someone by then too. So, Kahlo asked as well, he has a choice because uh, Blues made the made the comment that he hopes he doesn't go to the MLS Super Draft. Um, and then Kahlo says, he has a choice to not go into the draft, does he not? Don't you have to declare yourself? And I believe that is correct. A player has to declare himself eligible to uh, to the MLS draft um, in, in order to to uh, be considered part of a pick. Uh, I know there is no special treatment if a player is or used to be a part of an academy. If he goes, if he, so if, if a player used to be part of the academy, played for the academy, played, for, you know, played professional somewhere um, and play, decides to go to NCAA, goes through it, declares himself part to be a draft pick. And I know we saw it with one particular player in this 2019 MLS Super Draft, uh, who was a product of Orlando City, uh, declared himself eligible for the draft pick. They did not give any special privilege or any special consideration to Orlando City. Orlando City had to use their top pick in order to get said player because he was not considered per se homegrown due to his uh, uh, announcement of being eligible for the draft. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, you bring up a good point for that. It's like any other draft, Um, of course. Given that fact, yeah, he'll, if he does, de- in fact, declare himself after he goes to Butler, then there's a player that will probably go to a team not in Texas. Yeah. He'll probably end up playing against his father if his father is still at, for say, Houston Dynamo. So, so you know what? This actually brings up a good topic to talk about uh, because... I don't know if you saw any of the retweets, but um, Mike Miller on uh, on Twitter, who is the coach at UConn, associate head coach at UConn, um, he mentioned he made a tweet where he talked about how there's a lot of a lot of USL players or a lot of young USL players that are leaving the uh, the USL teams and going back to college, and he made. The comment, and this is let me get let me get the 100 the the tweet. He says, "Kids giving up degrees." Oh, never mind. It's the other way around. He says, "Kids giving up degrees at top academic universities to sign USL deals." Where are these kids' parents? Pro soccer for 40, 50k. The USL will still be there in a few years, 
and at least you will be prepared for life after soccer. If you're leaving school, get your value in the deal. Uh, and then r right after Paul Ariola, and I'm pretty sure all of you know who he is, but he's a he he. I think he used to play, or, or he's still with DC United. He actually said, he says, where are these kids' parents supporting their kids' dreams? I left a UCLA scholarship to go play in Mexico for $2,000 a month because my dream was to be a professional player. School will always be there to go to. It might not be free, but you can always go back to school. So, who do you agree with more, Paul Riola or Coach Mike Miller? Ariola, it's easy. Uh, we've been talking about it since the United States of American Federation soccer team, however you want to say it, the men's national team, basically, when they didn't make the World Cup and everyone was saying, let's restart, regroup. And then, of course, it got into that talk about, do you choose the, the scholarship or do you go on and try and go to the MLS or Europe or something like that? And, of course, people brought, bring up that great point, just like Ariola did, that, hey, school will always be there, but my shot is right now. I am somewhat in my prime. Of course, it's not the year just yet for me to be in my prime, but I'm young. I'm talented. I've been told at least that's the whole reason why Division One schools are offering me a contract or a scholarship plus these Liga MX teams are asking me for a scholarship in the, or a contract. It's It just goes the same way. Mm -hmm. Take your dream further before, obviously, school. It's just the smarter thing to do. That's why Christian Pulisic is where he's at. That's why a lot of these soccer players are also where they're at because they chose their dream over school, and it's paid off. Okay, so I get the point that same MLS chooses to get you. Or you end up going to Europe like uh, Christian Pulisic. Or you go to Mexico like Paul Ariola. But you have to remember as well that USL teams don't pay their players that much. Much less a kid, you know, a young kid that hasn't proven himself yet. And is probably going to be uh, uh, a reserve or a, or a bench player. So where does this go in all this balance? The way I see it, the, the way I see it is that... You can get, you know, you can get uh, a, a college degree because you have to remember as well that a that a soccer player's career can be really, really short. You know, you get a career-ending injury, your your soccer career is over, and you have nothing to fall back on. You know, as far as as far as a, as far as a degree. However, like Pariola said, because they actually brought this up to him. Well, what about you know about that? And he said, you know, you can be a professional soccer player, you can fulfill your dream, but you can also take online courses at a university. So you get the best of both worlds out of that. My biggest question is, as, you know, is that whole uh, how much you get, you're getting paid. But I am assuming as well that, you know, it's better than not being paid anything and not getting any benefits going into NCAA. Because you have to remember as well that a lot of these that it's very rare when when a soccer player that is being scouted by a college or university is given a full ride scholarship. Yeah. It's very yeah. very very rare. So you're still getting in debt. You're still you know getting money out of it, and yet you can't work. 
you can't do this. You can't get any income. So I think looking at all these equi at all these variables in this uh, particular uh, topic, I'm going to have to side with Paul, Paul Ariola. You know, go for it now. Say, save some, learn to save some money. And if you decide to, you want to get a career to kind of better yourself. I mean, for, I hate, I hate bringing, I know you guys are probably gonna be like, ah, you're bringing them up again. But in Liga MX, especially teams like Pachuca, teams like Tigres, you know, teams, well, I don't know what Pumas does it, even though they're affiliated with the university. But what they do is that while they're playing, you know, professional, especially with the young guys, their academy products, they'll have them enroll uh, in, in college so that while they're playing, they're 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 getting they're getting a degree. I know there's even with the Tigres Femenil, you know, we just recently had a couple of girls that graduated with uh, accounting degrees, law degree or not law degrees, but you know th those kind of uh, real really decent degrees while they're playing professionally. So it isn't it isn't out of the question to do a uh, to do a little bit of both. You just kind of have to uh, it's just gonna have to know what your limitations are, how much time how much time you have, and how much effort you can put in without sacrificing sacrificing one or the other. The performance. Yeah, exactly. You, you it's perfect. Just like you said it. I mean, a great example, a prime example, actually, isn't just uh, Pulisic because he ended up taking where he was going to school and going to the uh, practices for uh, Borussia. But it's the Canadian star. Exactly. Dave, Davies. Um, I mean, there's a whole story on him on uh, YouTube. You can go look it up. I forget who it was by. Mm -hmm. But he, like the Basically, how he ended up getting into that academy was due to the fact that Vancouver, um, I almost called them the Canucks there, that's the wrong team, but the Vancouver Whitecaps, yeah. they uh, they told the parents, look, he's going to be getting education as he's playing soccer. He's a 16-year-old, still needs to finish high school as well, and I believe he's probably, or was probably taking uh, college courses as well once he was on that first team. And so you think about how well teams try and do that. That's the way that you lure them in. It's basically like college, but guess what? Mm -hmm. You're getting paid, and that's the life. That's the dream for players. Take it before, obviously, you can yeah, I can definitely agree with you on that. And I just noticed that you covered your Jets flag with the Dynamo flag. <laughs> so, I mean, hey, you got to go with what the fans want. Of course. Um, so we're going to go on a quick we're going to go on a quick little break. Um, when we come back, we'll continue talking more about the uh, the match against the Austin Bold. Uh, we'll, we'll get, uh, we'll get some thoughts, some, uh, more thoughts on what, what we saw out there at the pitch. We'll, uh, discuss, uh, post, uh, post-match interviews, and then we'll talk a little bit of what we can expect, uh, out of, uh, San Antonio FC tomorrow, uh, at 1 PM. Um, it's, so when we, when we come back, just give us about a couple, like four minutes and we'll we'll continue talking about that. And if you guys want, uh, let me know in the chant in the chant. 
Let me know in the chat if any of y'all wants to call in live on the show, and we'll go ahead and open up the open up the phone line so you guys can give your takes on what you think about so far about RGVFC, whether it's you know season tickets, whether it's what uh, the team, what it, what you can expect. Oh, I do want to say this as well. So Saturday is the home opener for the Dynamo in MLS. As far as I know, RGVFC players will be at the stadium there on Saturday. So I'm assuming that they're going to receive, you know, the their the traditional um, where they go at, at in, during halftime, and they're going to be on the pitch, and they're going they're going to be presented to the Dynamo fans. So it's gonna it's gonna be pretty cool see, uh, seeing that. Uh, so hopefully, hopefully the the Dynamo fans will give them a, a warm welcome, and that'll that'll hopefully help them to motivate them to not only stay with RGV but move on with the Houston Dynamo. So we'll be right back. Don't go away just yet.
All right, guys, welcome back uh, to Down in the Valley. Um, be sure to, to check out our friends at the Beautiful Game Network. Follow them on Twitter at B the BGNFM and on Facebook, facebook.com slash the BGNFM. Also, check out their website, www.bgn.fm. Uh, we have all of our podcasts are there as well, as well as other USL-related podcasts like the USL show, show Rising as One, etc., etc. Uh, they're all really, really good shows. So if you guys enjoy ta talking about lower division soccer, that's your that's the best place to go to. Also, check out the Beautiful Game Network's primary sponsor, which is Roughneck Scarves. They're the official scarf supplier of USL, MLS, and NCAA. Before we went uh, before we went on break, we were talking about you know the opportunities between pl a young player playing directly in USL and uh, going back to college. Um, so if you guys, it was a really good discussion. So if you guys missed it, be sure don't forget to listen and wait when our podcast or the video stream archive are live in all of the platforms. Uh, it was a really, really good discussion. Just to give you all a heads up, we are separating uh, our podcast into all the different segments that we talk about, you know, the major topics that we talk about on the show. I feel it, it's going to be a whole, a whole lot better for your viewing pleasure, uh, as well as if you guys you know, see it a, a topic that really interests you. You can just go directly to that topic without having to try to find it in between a two-hour show. So it's going to be a lot more convenient for for you all. Uh, so be sure to check that out as well. Um, so Jacob, we talked about we were talking about the the match against the Austin Bold, and we were talking about actually how you know the pressure that that they were putting on the Bold in the beginning at the beginning of the match. But you also mentioned something about there were times where the bold was completely uh, overtaking us in the midfield and getting, you know, winning the ball there in the midfield. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it was, I mean, what intrigued me about all this was just because it was at the later end of obviously the half. Or the halves, because there were two halves, not just one. Three periods, technically. Yes. And one of them wasn't even played out to the full 45 minutes. Correct. Which it was pretty strange, considering that the ref blew the whistle, and even the announcer got kind of, I guess, bought it, basically, that there were two 45 minutes, and that was it. Mm. But, I mean, like I said, it just happened at the end, where even after... RGVFC, I noticed this, when they scored their first goal, they weren't necessarily uh, pressing as much or just in the zone as much because I did notice that uh, when they were kind of like that, they, uh, the bold, excuse me, were able to capitalize and kind of gain some ground during the game. But of course, in the end, it was RGVFC. But in those times it's just it's what rgv was last year where they would give up those late goals and that's not something that necessarily i want to see now what really impressed me as well is that rgvfc were able to create um they were able to create fouls and what i mean by that was or draw fouls excuse me where they were able to get 
uh, basically set pieces inside the box. And so they were able to gain possession, which is nice. Mm -hmm. But as you and I both know, that's not all you can get. You have to stay focused for the full 90, full 45 if you want to take it in those two pieces. But in some stages, they just didn't look like that. So just a quick shout out right now to Hill. Thank you for the $10 donation. Really appreciate it. He says, keep up the good work, gents. Thank you so much, uh, Gil, for your $10. Uh, we're doing the best we can, and uh, we uh, thank you all for your support. Without you all, I don't think we, we, we'd be getting as far as we have right now. Um, one thing I do want to add, though, is that even though our midfield seemed a little bit shaky, I did not see our defense being that shaky. You know, even when the Austin Bold was able to get possession at times, the Toros were able to limit them to outside the box. They were not able to get any clear opportunities on goal. And when they did have any uh, real opportunities, you know, it was blocked by Kyle Adams or 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 Robert Castellanos or blocked by Nico Corti. Um, I think it was just pure, their goal was actually just pure luck. Uh, yes, he was a trialist. So during the matches right now, oh, nice. I uh, just got something from CONCACAF. Um, so during the, during the matches in preseason, um, whenever they don't have numbers, um, it means that they're a trialist. And I was speaking to uh, Texas Soccer Journal during the day about that because there was some confusion about that. You know, in previous episodes, I had mentioned that this was a USL mandate of not uh, choose or not saying trialist names. But it turns out um, he had talked to media guys at San Antonio FC. And he said that this isn't a league mandated thing. This is more of an individual club decision. San Antonio does the same thing. RGBs does the same thing. And he mentions that the reason some of these trialist names are not mentioned is in case they don't make it to uh, get a, a contract, their name, their brand, you can say, is, is, not, uh, is not devalued uh, when it comes to maybe future opportunities with another team or maybe a college or, you know, you get what I mean. So that's the whole thing behind the uh, trialist names not being, not being mentioned. Um, like we said, we did have two trialists that, uh, that started in the match, one defensive midfielder and the left back that you told me, um, I did, he did look good. Actually, I, I do agree with you, uh, Gilberto, uh, he, he didn't. And I think it also helps having a leader like Kyle Adams, like being on his toes and all right, I need you to be here and I need, I need you to move up now. No. Okay. Now move back. I need you to look at this guy kind of thing. He was, he had that vocal leadership that I think he learned from, uh, Connor Donovan being next to Connor Donovan so much last season. While we did see some qualities of Kyle Adams being, uh, you know, more of having a leadership role. Connor Donovan was the one that, that was a boss back there. And we all know that Connor Donovan had signed a, an MLS contract, so he knew he wasn't going to be there all the time. So I'm assuming that when he was down there with, uh, with, the, the, with RGV, he was able to teach and show Kyle Adams what to, what to do, how to be a leader, you know, and, 
so that way whenever Connor Donovan was not going to be with RGV, he would stand up and be and be and be the leader. Especially now the season. Now we don't have Connor. Well, Connor's uh Connor's been kind of missing. Uh maybe he's with the first team, not sure about that. Um but Todd Warden. Todd Warden is now gone, who was our captain. So that's my biggest reason why, going back to previous discussion, he's gonna that Kyle Adams is gonna be the next the next captain. Um going going back, yes, he was a trialist. He did he did look real good. I think all the whole defense looked good. Kyle Adams, uh Robert Castellanos, uh Samuel uh Andrew Samuels. I keep on calling him Samuel Adams. Andrew Samuels, guys, and the trialist. They looked they looked really good. Like I was saying, I think Austin Bold's gold was pure luck because the original the original shot was blocked by uh Kyle Adams, if I'm not mistaken. The the rebound gets to gets to the, the other the other attacker, which I heard was also another trialist for the bold. And um he was fall like literally like he was falling down. I don't know how he wasn't pushed or anything, but he was falling down because I doubt he was going for for a bicycle kick because he was facing the wrong way. Like he was falling down and and his foot ma- kind of managed to hit the ball and it just like went over uh, Nico Corti. I think Nico Corti was gonna go was gonna go and grab the ball, but but the foot got there first and just and just pretty much went over him. But that that was it. From, that was it from from the bolt. And like I said, you know, this whole more experience uh, out of them, knowing how what they expect from professional. I think it, I think if they keep building it now, we'll see we'll see a better defense. We'll start seeing less uh, last minute, late minute goals being conceded in 2019. Yeah, exactly. And some of them from last year too. I mean, some of the goals that happened ha- were uh, luck goals that were scored against RGV FC. Now, of course, Blue Fan says like the beer because of. Well, Andrew Sam- Samuels, Samuel which Adams. he's basically the Samuel Adams of RGV FC. If you kind of get that reference, one of the original 13 Colony people, if I'm not mistaken. Either way, don't get your history from me. I'm probably terrible at that. <laughs> Once again, I cover sports, and that's where I'm great at. <laughs> and so, yeah, and it's true. That goal was kind of lucky, but at the same exact time, why are we? Why were they, RGVFC, basically putting themselves in a situation to get the ball scored on? That's one thing that, of course, yes, you can't keep uh, play the possession out of your side for the full ninety minutes. It's basically almost impossible when you're playing a team that it has almost exact caliber as you, and just kind of the playing style. Mm-hmm. Now. So, yeah, go ahead. go ahead. No, actually, go ahead. <laughs> my biggest, my biggest concern, my uh, that, and I know I talked to you about it, and, and I was um, during the match. It wasn't. It really wasn't. You know, the defense or the attack, and it was the midfield. But more specifically, my biggest gripe from the midfielder, especially with the trialist, was that he retained the ball too too much. So he would try the he would hold on to the ball and instead of trying to pass it to his teammate, 
he would let two, three Austin Bold midfielders come at him and take away the ball. And that's how the goal started. That's what started the, the, the goal uh, play for, for the Austin Bold. Instead of passing it over to Brad Dunwell or Romilio or whoever, he let three players come at him. They took the ball away from him. The defense, you know, our, our players were in that transition from a defense to attack. And you were left with, with like two players, your two, your two uh, center backs against like three Austin Bolt uh, players going into the attack. They still managed to control it, but the rebound just kind of was pretty unlucky. And that was it. But it, that was not the only time where the Toros fell into that sort of comfort or, or, or you know what I mean? Where they were, they were, they were not being quick with the ball, and I know Coach Echeverry mentioned it in the post game uh, interview. He said that they've got to be working on uh, being quick with the ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, that wasn't the only time that we did see that happen. And of course, if it happens from a trialist, yes, he's got a lower soccer IQ because, of course, he hasn't been in a professional league for a long time. When you're a trialist, you think you kind of know more than you really don't, obviously. And so if you kind of get where I'm coming from on that. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it it will take time for a player of his caliber to mature and figure out, okay, I need to pass the ball more. And, of course, you're, you're still technically getting the rust off of some players, considering that, if I'm not mistaken... This was Cabrera Jr.'s first time to play for in a while. I don't believe he was at the last one when they, or if he was, he wasn't technically a starter for when they played UTRGV. I don't necessarily, you and I basically don't really know that much about as the Houston as, Baptist game. As far as I know, he had been playing, when they played against Houston, he was pretty consistent uh, as a starter, I know he played for both sides. No, wait. Yeah, he played for both sides actually during in the first Houston Dynamo match, and then mm-hmm. the in the in the open practice, he was yeah. he did play for both sides. He played for RGB first, and then with Houston Dynamo. So he had been getting consistent minutes. Uh, at the end of the season last year, uh, we started he started getting minutes, but I think the last two matches he didn't he didn't play. Um, but I think I think Wilmer Cabrera ha, has been get, has been getting better in that regard. I think maybe because in the matches that he played last year in, in the end of last season, he was being put in a winger position, and I think he's more suited for being behind the attacker. Remember that last year that position was filled by Pablo Aguilar and uh, Matias Saldivar. So we didn't really see the best out of Wilmer Cabrera Jr. And from what I saw against the Austin Bold, I think he looks better as a center attacking midfielder than he does uh, as a winger. So it'll be interesting to see if he continues to play in that position, how he how he develops and how how he bonds with Carlos Small, Malik Foster, uh, Chuy Enrique. I was about to say Aldo. I'm sorry, Aldo. And <laughs> it, it, it's hard. It's hard. Like all of a sudden, like he comes out and says, "Oh, I." having an uh i'm having a surgery so uh we wish him a, a, a speedy recovery but don't don't rush it man take just take your time uh, and uh, be sure to be sure to Do recover correctly yeah, yeah and recover correctly don't don't try to overwork yourself yeah exactly and 
Well, yeah, but basically my point is that a couple of players are still, or just the whole team is still trying to get into that full shape because really for us and even for them kind of, it just, the season starts up abruptly in a way Hmm. because all of a sudden it's time to train. You've been off for a while. Maybe, of course, some players, as in Chuy Enriquez, has been practicing throughout those breaks. But a couple of players obviously will take that time to spend with family and not necessarily eat as healthy as they should or train as hard as they should during that offseason, things like that. So, of course, you're still trying to get your body ready. And, of course, we the things that we saw were natural uh, causes of just practice. And either way, we need to get ready for the season. Once again... It's the same exact thing. We still haven't seen Chuy Enriquez out there, really. We still haven't seen... Well, we we did see Small this uh, Saturday, but we still haven't seen, of course, uh, the real, I guess, attackers that we're used to seeing from last season out there together as much because hmm. of the fact that, like we've heard, he's waiting for the start of the season versus Tacoma. Yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting that we talk about, we talk about these players, you know, being out and it just worries. It just worries me that, you know, the season happened, has not even started. And, Aldo Quintanilla has already already suffered from something major like that. Now, does this mean that this was a recurring problem from him that just was never announced? I don't know. That is just speculation. It just I highly doubt that that you know preseason thing because I don't I don't even think he even played a preseason match. You know, no, I don't I, I don't believe so as well. And if we're even going back to last season, he had kind of a recurring injury. I don't believe it was his knee, though. I believe it might have been his ankle or something of that sort, if we do recall, back when he played for Houston and then he played for RDV kind of back and forth. And then for farther into the season, especially uh, in the late comings of the week, you know, uh, the end of the season is what I'm trying to say here. Yes. We did hear that he did have... Or he just wasn't playing, basically, and he, he was playing a lot less minutes and had an injury act. That could have something to do with it, as in he just wanted to finish off the season and could have had a torn ACL that whole time. I've heard of athletes that have done that. Of course, they want to basically... Give it their all. Exactly. No no matter what. they. Oh, I mean, it's a famous saying that you're only as healthy as you are before you train or something of that sort, basically Mm -hmm. the healthiest you're going to be is that first game. The rest you're basically, you're going to have something wrong with you. Yeah. So, so like I said, hope, hope he, we we wish him a a speedy recovery. um, As far as that. Now, another news out of RGVFC hasn't been made official by the, by the, by the team yet. Why am I not surprised? But uh, yesterday in social media, 
Robert Coronado, uh, please verify, uh, Jacob, if he was on the list for Saturday's match. Be sh- uh, don't forget to send it to me. Uh, send me a pic of it. Uh, I do want to mention all of the all of the players that are there. Um, so Robert Coronado, uh, he posted on social media on Twitter. He says, happy to have signed my first professional contract. Thanks to my family and friends and who've, uh, who've been there along the way. Gracias a Dios. So he just signed yesterday with RGVFC Toros his contract. So that's another name. That's another name on the list of, of uh, confirmed uh, signings by RGVFC um, that have been made public. Because mm-hmm. from we what we've been told, if we take a look at the list that was from Saturday's match. We only had, I think it was a total of five trialists that were still unsigned. That, uh, mm-hmm. But everybody else was confirmed to have signed with the Toros, which is why their names were made public. Can you uh, put the... Uh, wait, hold on. Send me a pic of the list because I really want to go over the, the, the full list of that right now. Unless you, unless you want to you say, it, say it out loud. Well, if you want to follow along, it's in, it's in your uh, messenger. But, yeah, I mean, the full list is here. I won't, of course, name the trialists as due to RGVFC, mm-hmm. basically terms and conditions. <laughs> uh, ben Willis, <laughs> which, or the not Joe Willis, to be which, exact. Which we accepted without without actually reading it. <laughs> like exactly. The, uh, yes, go ahead. Uh, Nico Cordy, Carlos uh, Vieros. Wait, uh, before, Robert, wait, before you continue, did you notice? Oh my goodness. Did you notice that they put Nico Cordy as a defender? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just noticed that. <laughs> me too. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, let me repronounce his name, actually. Carlos v- Viveros. Viveros. Yeah, there, there we go. go. There we go. There's two Vs there. That's why. Uh, Robert Coronado as a midfielder mm-hmm. with Robert Castellanos as another midfielder there. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you got David Cabrera and then Camilo Monroy. Uh, Romilio Hernandez, uh, Malik Foster, Jesus Enriquez, or Chewy, as we all know, mm-hmm. uh, Brad Dunwell, and Wilmer Cabrera Jr., and then Zach Jackson. A product well as- of the Dynamo Academy. Mm-hmm. Andres Ar- Arcila. Arcila. Arcila, there we go. Yeah. Uh, he's, then- he's a Colombian from uh, Seton Hall. All right. I mean, it makes sense right there. Uh, product of Seton Hall. Hmm. Of course, Coach Jerson Echeverry uh, coached there. So, if I'm, yeah, that, that's yeah. correct. Yeah. Before he yeah. came here, he was a head coach at Seton Hall. But Andres Arcilia, if I if I recall correctly, he has he had been training or trialing with the Dynamo last or the, with the Toros last season, but wasn't uh, wasn't uh, signed. But this time, this time, this for the second time. You know, he was he was signed, and we congratulate him. Continue. Of course. All right, let's hear on um, Andrew Sam, Sam Samuels, mm-hmm. Samuel Samuels, um, uh, Victor Garza, uh, Hector Hector Copete. Hector Copete, yes. Uh, Nico Lemoyne, mm-hmm. and then Connor Donovan. 
Um, Aldo Quintanilla, mm-hmm. Brandon Morales, uh, Kyle Adams, Carlos Small. Then you've got your two trialists. Three trialists, actually. Well, three trialists, but yeah. two are highlighted. So it looks like those it, it the mainly ones... looks like RDVFC could end up signing just two trialists. Yeah. And so, that so the reason that they were signed those two those two trialists were the ones that started. That's why they're highlighted. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so those two those two are the ones that started the match against the bold. Uh, so let's take, so looking at this list, we have one, two, three, four. Five, six, seven, seven, eight, nine, ten. We have thirteen players of this list that are that came back from last season. That's a big difference. That's a big difference from last year and the year before, where it was just pretty much a clean slate every time. Mm-hmm. And you see, and you saw it in this match that. These guys, they, they played like they knew each other because they do know each other. One year, yeah, it's one year, but it's better than zero. And I know Coach Echeverry mentioned that and mentioned that as well. That that's, it was a big difference. The experience that they got last year as a professional is helping them out this time because they're learning from their mistakes. So we have. I also want to mention Ben Willis, not Joe Willis. Uh, no, guys, he is not. Just before anyone asks. He is not Joe Willis's uh, brother or relative or any or anything like that. Uh, so Ben Willis actually came in, if I'm not mistaken, in the third period, and he had a really he had a really good showing uh, from what what we saw the the little opportunities that Austin Bold had. You know, he was able to to uh, handle them correctly. So I think he's going to be a good backup keeper. Uh, for Nico Corti. Now you also have to remember that we might see during this during the season we might see a little bit of Michael Nelson as well. So I think we're 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 good with with uh, in the goalkeeper position. I think we're I think we're solid. I think we have we have a a, a good long term player in Nico Corti. We have your occasional uh, help with uh, Michael Nelson coming in from the Dynamo, and uh, as a backup you have uh, Ben Willis who. Just from seeing in, from in preseason, from what I've heard and what I saw in this match against the Bold, he is better than Mark Sa- Mark Sa- Oh my! You and your jet stuff, uh, Matt Sanchez. Uh, yeah, uh, he he did look a bit better than Matt Sanchez. We we have watched that man before last season for just, I believe, a couple of games when Jerson was really trying to still figure this team out. Mm-hmm. Which is why we don't have that problem anymore due to the fact that we've had a team here for a year. That was a rebuilding year for sure. And of course, the fans that were angry or mad at the coach last year really shouldn't have been in general. Yes, it's frustrating to watch your team lose when you want your team to win all the time. Yes. But in the long run, we know that this team is going to be a lot more successful due to the fact they're back, basically. And that's already a huge step in the right direction. Yes. And and yeah, Ben Willis looked good for 35 minutes. I do not believe that we did play the 45 the whole 45 for that last period. And I believe they did call it after just 35. That's correct. Uh, quick update in uh, CONCACAF Champions League. 
Atlanta United 2, Herediano 0, aggregate 3-3 in the 52nd minute. Remember, they are not playing at Mercedes at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. They're playing in a different stadium because I believe there's Monster Jam going on at the, uh, at, uh, the Mercedes-Benz Arena. So, and even with that, they're winning 2-0. Goal in the first minute by Joseph Martinez. And then Julian Gressel at the ninth minute. So, at this rate, uh, with this scoreline, Atlanta United goes through with the away goal. Oh, yeah, because they did have the away one goal. away goal. Because yes. one of the away goals last week did get counted off, which mm -hmm. was very shocking to see, really. But So, Gilberto says, I agree. They improved steadily through the course of the season. They looked so solid last week. I mean, they, they are. And that's because, like I said, up on top, we don't have, we don't have the biggest names yet. Uh, for for one reason or another. Now, this was the first. This was the first showing up against a USL team. This is a team that barely started. Yes, they do have a lot of names, a lot of USL veterans like Turpak and Diego Restrepo. And where did I leave? Oh, here you are. And let me see who else did they have. Which made what really ticked me off was that freaking Austin Bold did not have. Any numbers at all for any other players. So we're like, oh, Austin Bold player, player that guy. Uh, who's him? Yeah, there and there was nobody to tell us who uh, who who is. But they did give us a list of of their actual roster. Um, I'm sure you'll remember this. Uh, you'll remember this name, uh, Jacob, Jermaine Taylor. Jermaine, oh. X hold Donovan. up, hold up. I know he played for Houston. Correct. But then he's gone on a, um, basically on a spiral down. Obviously now he's in the USL. Mm -hmm. Did he, he played for, wait, we bought him from Seattle, if I'm not mistaken. Or am I thinking of someone else? Let me verify for you that. So... Ex middleweight champ? No, not that Jermaine Taylor. Jermaine. Uh, all right, here we go. He's a he's a Jamaican footballer. He played for the Dynamo. Uh, he he actually no he actually came from uh, from Jamaica. They brought him from Jamaica, um, and he joined the Dynamo there. He then left for. The now uh, that's why and that's now Simber, he's with yeah. the Austin bold yes um, so he's with the bold uh, another another name out there that a lot of people might recognize especially if you're if you follow Liga MX Javier Vapaez used to be with uh, Chivas de Guadalajara uh, Dario Conca Argentinian um, he was like we mentioned before third high at the time around 2011 around there he was the third highest player of all the of the whole world behind R Ronaldo and Messi um, we have um, Chris Turpak ex San Antonio FC uh, Diego Restrepo uh, ex San Antonio FC mm -hmm. Sonny Guadarrama ex San Antonio FC <laughs> And another name that uh, 
that Kit McConaughey mentioned uh, was okay. What what is going on with my phone? Um, here it is. Another name that was mentioned: Andre Lima, the Brazilian, who they say is a really really good player, and. The point I'm getting at is, yes, they do have a lot of experience on that roster, but this is a brand new team. So they still need to, they still need to learn how to play together. So I don't think we'll have like a real test of what RGVFC is made of until tomorrow when they play against uh, San Antonio FC. San Antonio FC, which has kept most of, most of their roster from, from last season. So they still have, they have their, the same head coach, Darren, Darren Powell. Um, they're going to be playing away in San Antonio at 1 p.m. So we will see what we will see what they're made of uh, t- uh, tomorrow. Uh, hopefully, we can get some word of, on what happens in in that match. But there's actually a player that I was told uh, about that we got to be careful for. Um, he is young. He is an Argentinian. He, he's 19, and his uh, his name is uh, his last name is Perano. He's a 19-year-old central attacking midfielder uh, who was with the River River Plate system, and uh, he's now with San Antonio FC. Uh, he is very agile. He's very he he is very showoffy as far as like like trick moves and stuff stuff like that. So he's gonna he's gonna be a player that uh, might. Push the balance over to San Antonio FC with uh, with some some of that uh, some of that flair that that he has. Now he's all he is very young, uh, so he might be a little bit inexperienced when it comes to like uh, players like from the opposition like fouling him or things like that. Uh, but that's going to be a player that that they're gonna ha- they're gonna have to watch out for tomorrow when he when he does play. Um, and obviously, you have Ever Guzman. You gotta take. You got. You gotta be careful with. Uh, you've got uh, Kai Green. Kai Green in defense. We all know him. He's he was with the with the Toros for three years. Hopefully, he starts that game. If not, well, then another wasted player. I what I've been hearing is that he has been starting and he has looked good. He has him and and the other defensive additions that they had are making are making a difference so far. They played against uh, El Paso Locomotive. They were able to keep the shutout, but they were also shut out as well. So in, in even with all in all periods, I think they also played three periods. Zero 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 zero. So it'll be it'll be interesting how how, how they handle themselves tomorrow against the Toros. Uh, from what I heard about uh, El Paso Locomotive, they're very NASL type of play. You have to remember that their head coach used to be the head coach for the Jacksonville Armada. So he's going to have the play style of NASL that, that is he's instilling into El Paso Locomotive. They're, they're going to be a team that is very, very gritty very they're gonna they're gonna play you know at the edge at the edge of the of the rules um so, so um that's pretty much it that's pretty much it for that um san antonio at san antonio 1 p.m excuse me and then next week we will be uh, the toros will be traveling to tacoma for the season opener 
uh, over there in Tacoma against the Tacoma Defiance. Uh, that will be on Saturday. I believe it's at 7.30, if I'm not mistaken. I hope... Hold on, let me see if Google already has their... Oh, yeah, they do. So, Friday... Wait. Interesting. Okay, it's the 8th. It's the 8th. So, Friday the 8th, you're going to have the Tacoma Defiance at 9 p.m. our time uh, playing against the, uh, playing against the Toros. Um, interesting here. I really thought it was on a Saturday. But no, it's going to be on Friday. So, yeah. So, so next Friday at 9 p.m., it's going to be Tacoma Defiance versus the Toros. Then on the 16th, on the Saturday... Uh, it'll be the home opener at HE Park where we will be hosting the uh, Fresno FC. Uh, so, guys, Dynamo fans, if you guys can make it out to HEB Park and watch these these Toros, it'd be it'd be great. You guys are always welcome at at, at HEB Park. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. The, oh, there was actually was another thing that I wanted to talk about. So today, during the day, the USL Championship uh, released their their national their national broadcast games, whether it's on ESPN three or ESPN News. Lo and behold, the Toros didn't even did not get a national broadcast game, home or away. Hello, Harry. So, what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on uh, on that? Oh, get ready for a Sean-like rant because I mean, this is going to be extreme. Ouch. Yeah, Harry said said it exactly. Just well, yeah, just like the Dynamo, no national respect. Just like any Texas team, no real national respect. And what I mean by that is, neither does. Well, I mean, San Antonio did get. I, did get a. I think they got it like well, two. Well, I'm not talking about San Antonio. I'm going a bit further, and it's obviously FC Dallas. The only F, the only game that FC Dallas technically gets nationally is the game versus Houston Dynamo. But even sometimes that doesn't really work out too. It, it's it's a shame. It's it's something dumb. You look at that schedule again, which would even be nice to pull up again, and you. You see it, and it's got every single team in the schedule, of course, except for RGVFC. Mm-hmm. If you notice, yeah, there's about 30-plus teams in there, which is understandable. At least they get one game. It's tough to say every single one. And, of course, ESPN or even the USL can make that defense and say, well, you got ESPN+, Plus. that's technically a national broadcast. Well, it's not. You have to pay. It's a subscription. It's just like MLS uh, Kick or something like that from yeah. DirecTV. No, nothing advertised here, but it, it's like that. It's stupid. It's, it's yeah, it's a, it, it sucks. There's nothing else to say besides the USL thinks that they care about every single team from the championship well, apparently you don't because you won't give us a national broadcast and you think, yeah, sure, they'll make the playoffs and they'll get a national broadcast. Yeah, I bet you you don't won't even show the whole playoffs there too. 
And not only that, like I feel like um, for all of most of the time that the Toros have been in existence, they've found a way to snub RGVSC players, whether or not mentioning them in, in, in some of their articles regarding of players to watch for. I know last year it was Kai Green, but that was pretty much it. Uh, this year, I mean, we have Carlos is small, uh, you know, a player to watch for, and I don't think it was mentioned. Um, that goal, that beautiful goal that they snubbed uh, Jorginho James out of against Seattle Sounders too. Uh, Harry says, to me, the US USL championship went expansion heavy, especially at the start. Oh. Which makes sense, or not makes sense, but like, you're correct. How much hype have they been giving New Mexico United? How much hype have they been giving uh, El Paso Locomotive? Uh, Austin Bowl, not so much, but Memphis 901, Birmingham Legion. Uh, who else we got? Uh, well, Tacoma Defiance, not really. Down United. Uh, and and most of the other expan expansion teams. Uh, no, I don't want any... I, I hate Windows Defender. Seriously, I, I I don't know how I don't know how to turn off those notifications. Yeah. And Hartford, Hartford Athletic. Yeah, Hartford true. Athletic. Uh, I've got one thing to say about Hartford, real quick. Uh, they have a terrible hockey team. Whoever is in charge of that account is a joke. Even the USL got after them for those terrible tweets. So if you expect that from the Hartford United or whatever Twitter, don't expect them to be nice to anyone. Just putting that out there. Mm -hmm. So you look at the you look at this national this schedule for the national broadcasts, and you see that most of these are the expansion teams. So you have uh, New Mexico United versus Tulsa Roughnecks on ESPN three. April tenth, you have Memphis nine one against Atlanta United. Atlanta United two. Come on, yeah. mm -hmm. on ESPN news. April 17th, Austin Bold versus Phoenix Rising. Okay, those are it's Phoenix Rising. They were they they were the Western Conference champion last year. Okay, we get it, right? Louisville City FC, the current champion versus the Memphis 901. Okay, that's on ESPN3 on April 30th. May 8th, you have Nashville SC versus the Tampa Bay Rowdies. Okay, you're looking at the next MLS franchise. Against the Rowdies, uh, who've been decent. Birmingham Legion versus Nashville SC. You have, um, that's on ESPN, ESPN News. Nashville versus Tampa, ESPN 2. Yeah. New Mexico United versus OKC Energy FC, June 5th on ESPN News. Reno 1868, Phoenix Rising, June 18th, ESPN 3. June 26th. San Antonio FC versus El Paso Locomotive, ESPN News. July 3rd, Sacramento Republic versus Fresno, ESPN 3. July 12th, Real Monarchs versus Tacoma Defiance, really? ESPN 3. North mm -hmm. Carolina FC, Down United, July 17th, ESPN 3. Orange County SC versus Reno, 1868th on July 24th, ESPN 3. July 31st, New Mexico United, El Paso Locomotive, FC, ESPN3. Should I go on? 
Like, I think I've made my point. Uh huh. Most of and, these are the expansions. Mm hmm. Exactly. And uh, it's understandable to the expansion teams, don't get me wrong, but I want to say one thing to Harry. Uh, ESPN Plus and ESPN3 are different given the fact that you do have to sign in with your provider for ESPN3 where you don't have to do that for ESPN Plus. ESPN Plus is its own thing that you have to subscribe to for a monthly fee. Mm -hmm. Yes, that does sound like that, but that's honestly the truth. Yeah, the big ones, like he said as well, are the ESPN2, the ESPN News, and the ESPNU games because obviously you can most likely get those, you know, it's national TV. What, what is there more to say, really? And yeah. So, yeah, it, it's very frustrating that USL, like Harry said, when expansion heavy makes total sense, considering that they're kind of competing with the MLS in a way. And then, of course, you're just, they're not making sense with the fairness. So, so. So let's take a look at May 25th, RGVFC versus San Antonio, right? You would mm -hmm. assume that would make a, a bit more coverage. Let's take a look at what's their game of the week at that time. May... Mm -hmm. What did I say? 25th? Yeah. April, May, May 22nd, Birmingham Legion versus Nashville SC. Like, really? Are they mm -hmm. trying to make that into a... Uh, are they trying to make that into a, a rivalry? Hold on. He's got a point, too. Let me double-check. May 25th, right? That's mm -hmm. a Saturday. This match is on Wednesday. This Birmingham Legion match versus Nashville. That's on a Wednesday. Then mm -hmm. the next South Texas Derby is August 17th. Which is also a, a Saturday. And that game, the game of the week for that is August 21st. Another weekday match. North Carolina FC versus the Tampa Bay Rowdies. Um, Jerry, Harry, I don't know why I said Jerry. Harry says... Um, Every, he says every team should have one game, in my opinion. The key is midweek games, not the weekend games. And I think what we're seeing is that it's the weekday games that are getting these national broadcast mm -hmm. broadcasted things. But it doesn't make sense because last season, even weekend games got game of the week coverage in ESPN in the actual ESPN channels. Mm -hmm. I know one of our one of our derbies was on ESPN three. It's the one where we lost at home, what was it, like 3-1 or something like that? that one something was, like that. <laughs> yeah, that one was on national broadcast, and the Toros getting nothing this year makes, it, it just it just irks me how how uh, USL Championship is kind of like looking over, looking over uh, RTVFC. But you make, you make a good point. It's the same thing that they do with the Dynamo mm -hmm. in, with MLS. And FC Dallas, too. I mean, Harry brought it up, I think, a couple of chats ago that he said that no games for FC Dallas on ESPN or 
Fox this year too. Mm-hmm. Whether it would be FS1 or something like that. So okay, that was midweek. Thank you, Harry. Yeah, that was on national TV midweek game. That was a three-one defeat, and it was. I mean, yes, this is bringing up terrible flashbacks because one family was louder than the whole stadium. And it was San Antonio. That should not happen in general. What happened to the Stampede that week or whatever? I don't know. Sorry. I, but, I, don't, oh think we can, I don't think we can pin the blame on Stampede. Uh, no, it was just the fans in general, too. And we talked about it that, and we talked about uh-huh. it in, in, the, in, in that week. That it, that it was embarrassing for for us, and it was embarrassing for me watching the stream and hearing more of Mikey Lopez's family, you know, cheering for San Antonio than the rest of the fans. And you know, I hope that this season we get the fans that do go to the stadium are more involved with cheering on this team and not just going like if you're going to the movies, sitting back watching the game. You got to do your part as well as as a fan, you know, and I don't know when I don't know when this needs to be done, um, but there's got to be I mean, a better there's got to be a better connection between Stampede and the fans. Does that mean yeah. moving them from the back of the goals back to the uh, back to the stands? I don't know. Will we do we have to do what Caesar and I did in 2017, which was going up to the stands and playing yeah. some chants out there? Maybe. That's what Stampede needs to decide. Uh, we can't, Cesar and I and you, we're, gonna, we're, we're our own thing now up in, the, up in the press box. We can't tell them what to do because technically, even though I don't know if you paid your dues with Stampede, but you're not participating during the matches. So, you know, your voice can only go so, so far as, in, into suggesting any ideas. On, on what on what to do and getting things more involved, but something needs to be do- something needs to be done by Stampede to make a better connection between the fans up in the stands and 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 the supporters group behind behind the goal. Yeah. It's gonna take a while, but it's a conversation that needs to be had. Yeah, and and to stay on this just for a bit longer, one thing is that. The Stampede are at the loudest part of the stadium, which is that area with the bar. Like both those sides that are open are the loudest. Why? Because that's the way that the sound travels. Obviously, it travels that one way, and you can hear it throughout the whole stadium, which is really impressive and really cool. Now, in section, I believe one twelve, where they were before, yes, it was pretty loud, and you could hear it but in my opinion from that for the first time that i got to take a tour of hub park they and when uh mark the uh x ticket uh season ticket holder man i don't know what his job was really but either way when he was touring us and i think it might have been caesar j or someone clapped in that area it made a really big well, yeah, it was really big and loud, too. And I thought, hmm, if they're there, it's going to make a huge difference. Of course, you just need more people. And I've been up in the stands as well, creating the or helping out with the chants as well, like the thunderclap. Yes, bring, ba- bring that back. 
yes, it's used so much, but it gets the fans involved. Once yeah. again, getting the fans involved in the game, whether it's making them stand near the bar or just going up there and interacting with them, it goes a long way. I mean, even the cheesy the cheesy things like people might call thunderclap or the I'm trying to remember that you that that uh, American Outlaws chant that oh that we love you chant yeah it's cheesy but it's simple and it's easy for the fans to remember and sing along with sometimes the more complicated South American style and that's the problem with South America style too their chants are more complex they mm-hmm. use it's longer lyrics on the more popular tunes of the time you can say but they're a lot they're longer they're more complicated the regular fan can doesn't have a lyrics list in front of them so they could sing along so they're going to tune out the supporters groups the supporter groups in Latin America if you notice they're in th- they're doing their own thing Mm-hmm. When they get to something so simple, for example, with Tigres, Incha de Tigres, cuál es su profesión? La U, la U. The whole stadium yells, La U, La U, La U. It's simple. It's easy to follow. Obviously, everybody's going to do it. Or, Let's go, Dynamo. Yeah. It's simple. Mm-hmm. And it's very easy to follow. Stampede needs something like that. Bring back the so. thunderclap. That's one. Let's go Toros. Instill that into in, instill that into the into the fans, so that way, when once the stampede says that uh, starts chanting that, everybody knows it. Everybody gets involved. Right now, people up in the stands, even when you do the Let's Go Toros, they're still reluctant to follow along. Why? Because there's no connection yet between casual fans and the supporters groups. Any little bit of of connection that we had in 2017 based on the changes made in 20 to for the 2018 season we lost it why because the more we the stampede lost the more uh outgoing members the ones that were willing to go out there with the stance you know mm-hmm. er, everybody else did, you know decided to just stay all 90 minutes in that section and that doesn't help yeah. so Biggest, uh, my, my biggest suggestion is be out there, go out there with the fans and get them involved. That won't not only, not only, only help with getting people to get involved and pressuring the rival, supporting the team, but that can also be used as a recruiting tool for that people that, to go from the stands to the stampede section and recruit. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you said it perfectly. And what helped was also what uh, basically happened last week, which was getting to talk to one of the marketing team members. And, I mean, they have a perfect deal for joining the Stampede as well. And, I mean, of course, yeah, like it doesn't take that much. I want to see six to 7,000 at least in the stands for a weekend game. 
yes, we understand weekday games are going to be tougher to get to, like the Wednesday games, and that, yes, we can see the stadium half full, and that will be okay as long as you can pack the house the following game, which will probably be on a weekend or something of that sort. And there's one, so yeah, go ahead. And then, of course, getting that crowd energized together. I mean, look at perfect example is Atlanta United. Two years in, and they've got the whole stadium chanting. Not not just, I mean, yes, of course they do the ATL and everyone loves that chant. Which, once again, maybe that's what the Torah should bring back, is that exact I chant. Just, RGV, boom, RGV, boom. Very or easy. Seattle, everyone or, Seattle with, or Seattle with, with the response. Seattle, Sounders. Yeah. Something the most something annoying to... chant you can ever be a part of, yes. That would be perfect. That would annoy everyone from the visiting team. Something needs to, something needs to be done. And, something, and, and I think it was, it's a good thing that, that it's being brought up. We're not, we're not bashing Stampede. We're, we're far from bashers. We support the Stampede. We're doing everything we can to make sure that they're, they know that they're being supported, help them out in recruiting. But there, these are some things that what we're seeing from up, from up in the press box, from the outside looking, looking in, like the phrase says, some things that need to be worked on. Yeah. Uh, because we, we, need, we need the people in the stands to be more, more involved. And like you say, that game against San Antonio, that was just embarrassing. Yeah. I, so. I, think, I think somebody put it best on Instagram that, that week. It was like a library. At HB Park, and we don't want HB Park to be a library. We want no. it to be rowdy. We want it to be. We we want it to be difficult for any of the, any of other teams coming into this to HB Park. Not only have to deal with temperatures and humidity, but also have to deal with the with the fan uh, the fan pressure and support. No. Right now, we just have heat and humidity. What happens when it's a cold day or a cool day, and we don't have heat or humidity? We have no advantage. We need to make the fan support and advantage for us as well. Exactly. You, you said it best. <laughs> There's nothing more to really say on that because I mean, it's going to be tough if we don't have the support. If basically, yeah, the team doesn't have the support that they 100% deserve. And yes, it does take, with, of course, the half prices and things like that, too. And so I'm really looking forward to it. Most likely, it sounds like it's going to be much better. Blues fan says, the let's bring back the fight and win chant. What cha Do you know what chant he's talking about? Fight and win chant. No, I don't. Fight and win chant. Hmm. Mm. Oh, this is, it's, a, it's a Seattle one. Hold on. Let me put it up. Yeah, maybe even bring this chant. It's a timber chant. Here we go, here we go, here we go. Here we go. RGV, here we go. So basically it's like Seattle, that. Seattle, and then fight and win. And then everybody else. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yes. I think the Torah or Stampede kind of does that somewhat. Well, the, I, I know the ones that they do, obviously, 
El Matador. They have the Take Em All uh, yeah. chant. Let's go Toros. Um, and that's, and they, that's... Some, they sometimes have done this one, like the Seattle chant. Um, uh, I think it was like Toros, Toros, come on, you boys, let's win, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Believe that they've done that before, at least. So, yeah, bringing back the chant, something like that would be cool. Yes. So. Guys, do you guys have any, anything else you guys want to talk about? People in the ch- people in the chat. Uh, we have twelve minutes for until nine o'clock. I think I think even though we started a little bit later, I think we this, it's a pretty good time to end the show. I think we've discussed everything we needed to talk about. Austin Bold. We talked about uh, tomorrow's uh-huh. match against San Antonio. Uh, <laughs> uh, he said, "Blues fan is like no, nah, nah, FFS. Y'all should know this meme chant." No, he remembered once I once I heard it and put it on YouTube. He remembered which one I was, I was talking about. Yeah. <laughs> it was that pos- they called him the possessed chant leader because he was like, ah! <laughs> um, but we, so we talked about Aus- the game against Austin Bold. Guys, no, come on, Blues. <laughs> what are you talking about, man? No, yeah, no, I don't know. <laughs> uh, we talked about Austin Bold. We talked about the match against San Antonio. We talked a little bit about Tacoma, uh, Tacoma Defiance. We talked about the uh, the national broadcast. We talked about support uh, Stampede and uh, and support. Um, I I think that's pretty much all that needs to be said. Oh, just a quick update. Yeah, four to nothing. Four nil. <laughs> Okay, so that would be 4-3. Oh, you want to talk a little bit about uh, CONCACAF Champions League then? Sure. I I, I mean, we have time, and this does also, this does involve the Toros per se, well, the Dynamo, uh, the the Dynamo organization, if anything. Oh, God. uh, (laughs) I I think I... But yeah, I think Atlanta I got United, myself into something Atlanta, terrible. <laughs> but Atlanta United, yes, four zero five three aggregate. Looks like they'll be go- they'll be going into the next round. Uh, they will be playing against. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, they they will be playing against Monterey of Liga MX if they do advance, and which looks like that that is the case. Uh, the next uh, the next uh, match, which will happen at nine o'clock, will be Toluca of Liga MX versus Sporting Kansas City of MLS. Right now, Sporting Kansas City has the, the aggregate lead of three zero. Will we have the same thing that happened with Atlanta United and Herediano happen in uh, in Toluca? What do you think? Let's start with that. Do you think Sporting KC at Toluca, Mexico, is gonna crash and burn? Oh. Well, as a Houston Dynamo fan, I sure hope so. <laughs> but as an MLS fan, I hope not. <laughs> it, it, go, it can go both ways. If they win, I'm like, great for the MLS. If they crash and burn, I'm like, ha, 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 ha you crashed and burn. You suck. <laughs> you don't deserve to wear Columbia blue. And you don't deserve <laughs> to be champions. You don't deserve... That uh, that uh that screenshot from FIFA delete club. <laughs> exactly, exactly. 
Go back to when you were the Wizards and actually cool. <laughs> How can something from Kansas City be cool? Uh, it is true. I mean, yeah. But, like I said, they had these cool, old, you know, kind of purplish things. And then they had a mascot as a wizard. Okay, you that's gotta cool. admit, that's pretty cool. That, when I, you, I mean, they, they had a mascot in general in a, for a soccer team. Mm-hmm. That's basically now unheard of because now they're just supporting Sporting KC. Who cares? So it looks like Sporting KC is going all out. Um, uh, this is, so the proposed starting 11 for Sporting Kansas City is you'll have Tim Miliango, Graham Susie, Pratt, uh, Matt Beisler, Sinovich, Espinoza, Elie, Gutierrez, Russell, Nemeth, and Gerso. Yeah. No, that's a perfect lineup in general for them. They have to go all out. In general, you have to go all out in these competitions. You can't be like uh, the Red Bulls from last year and kind of think that you can make it with a Red Bulls 2 team. Yes. You can only do that in group, almost. And you can only do it with a couple of players because, as we all know, it can turn bad fast. We've seen it in open cups. But, of course, now that they've the CONCACAF have gone away with group stage, bring out your full team. Bring out your full 11 that you expect to play during the MLS season. It's going to be dumb if you don't do that in general. Now, here's another thing that, that comes to an advantage for Sporting Kansas City. During the week, in fact, I think it was after la- the weekend, this weekend's uh, last weekend's match in, of Toluca, they fired their head coach. So mm-hmm. that's another thing that Sporting Kansas City has as an advantage to them that they're coachless right now. So mm-hmm. all they need to do at least score one goal. If you score one goal in in, in the Nemesio Diaz Stadium, you're looking at that Toluca would have to score five in order in order to advance. So you're just going for one goal. And it looks like based on this lineup, they're going for that one goal. Now, it'll be interesting to see if they're able to make it uh, and, and do that. Um, so Blues Fan says, uh, he says, what are your expectations on the season now that we are closing in on the opener? Okay, I, yeah, I'll go first. That's, yeah, it's a great question. And, I mean, as long as, and you say that about, you say this about every team, as long as you can stay healthy, you're going to have a successful team. Why? Well, because you're going to have your starters week in and week out. Yes, now we really know that Aldo Quintanilla is out for the rest of the year, basically, and, of course, if you make a playoff push, he'll probably not even play in that due to the fact that, well, you kind of don't want to mess with magic. Mm-hmm. You don't, obviously, yeah, don't fix things. that Championship or bust? Well, I wouldn't ca- call that a bust if we make the playoffs. I'd say that's a fantastic year if you make the playoffs, especially for us. Yes, I'd like to get past that first round for sure. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. but of course... That's not a bust if you don't win the championship in the USL as long as you can make it, make it to basically the dance. Then 
Toro's fans will be ecstatic. Think about that. We've only made one appearance in now four years. Yeah, and that and was in our I, in inaugural. Yeah, exactly. That was in our inaugural year where basically we were trying to be an Austin Bullet FC. And what I mean by that is we signed or had a lot of ex-Houston Dynamo players or something like that. Mm-hmm. We, we had um, Lovejoy, which, man... I wish that guy well at North Carolina, if I'm not mistaken, that's where he's at. And we had a, this phenomenal Georgino James, which I don't know where his talent went after that first year. So, yeah, it's players like that. You've got to stay healthy. Hopefully, we can make halfway through the season when that summer transfer window comes open. Mm-hmm. We make a, an enormous signing that will... A, obviously help um, Wilmer Cabrera in the future, and B, help Jerson at the, that moment. Mm-hmm. So it, you just have to stay healthy as long as we can win our home games and not tie them and not give up late goals, you're looking at a great season. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking... I'm expecting a... I'm not expecting a top four finish uh, out of this team. It'd be great, um, but I know player. I know teams like uh, Phoenix Rising and uh, and who who else? Be? Real Monarchs. I think Real Monarchs is going to be good, and I think Portland Timbers too is also going to be building off of the decent season last year, especially with the addition of of uh, Todd Warden. Um, but I do, I do, I do see them making the playoffs this year. Uh, I think they have the team. They have the they have the chemistry with uh, within each other to make a decent showing this year. Uh, fix what they fix the, the the mistakes of last year of giving up these goal late uh, late goals, and uh, I think pl- getting a better decent a better showing uh, away. I think that is the biggest key because um, you have to you have to be better than oh okay away games we're gonna lose because that's the that's the norm for American soccer. No, you know, you have to be able to have a cushion of away games so that way if you lose some points at home, you're able to pretty much uh, uh, supplement it with, uh, with uh, away, away points here and away. And I think that was the biggest, besides the, besides the fact that we were losing points at home, mm-hmm. we were not winning away. So that was so we weren't being helped out at that. That's why we ended up getting a what was it? I think it was like a twelfth place finish, you know. So yeah. I think this year it'll be better. I think they'll be able to make uh, they'll be able to make the playoffs. I think if anything, they could. I see the potential the potential of them uh, advancing from the first round, but I don't I don't I don't see them going any farther than that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, RGVFC right now has their their Jimbo Fisher, basically, of soccer. Because mm-hmm. why I say that is just because it feels like a new life, especially now that we've got returning players, and it just it, it feels better. Mm-hmm. That sophomore slump is now done, in a way, for that new stadium. And... I mean, now we've got, yeah, we got chemistry, like I said, and it it feels wonderful. That's basically all I have to say. And 
No, really excited for this season. I, I remember the first two times just this season heading up to HEB Park, the parking lot, and heading inside that stadium. Just the feel of excitement and relief knowing that this player looks sure he doesn't look great right now but we're gonna get that extra push from him especially at the start of the season and just things like that it really does look exciting we don't have to play a lot of eastern conference teams that's always a plus because mm -hmm. those eastern conference teams are known to be pretty good really yes we had wait who was it last season that won the championship? Because I'm kind of blanking. It was Louisville City. Yeah. Louisville so that, City. That's an and then the year before was also Louisville. Yeah, exactly. Louisville City. But here, and to kind of push off of what you said, Edson, too, is those road victories. Yes, you need a couple of those road victories. Yes, you do also need to tie a lot of those, too, and just not lose mm -hmm. um, a lot of them, which, yes, we can say five to six losses on the road could be okay as long as you can get those ties and mm. those wins away. I'm not entirely sure on what our, for the past two seasons, our road, um, our road record has been, but I know it's not been great considering that we only won once last year or the year before last on the road, and we might have only won twice on the road this past year. And then, of course, yes, we did draw a lot more games than we did the year before on the road as well. But still, we gave up basically points on the road too. I do recall the crappy OKC game when we played Oklahoma City Energy and gave up points there. It was just a sloppy performance in general. Coach never liked it, too. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, th things like that, you wonder, can they improve? And they probably can. It's just It just takes, obviously, a lot of getting used to. And when you go off to the West Coast, you shouldn't have a problem with that in general for time. Mm -hmm. As in, you're two hours behind where you are from texas basically so, so you go over there it's yeah so you so you asked about uh away um away records so mm -hmm. last year we had a 296 record two nine two wins one uh, nine losses six ties mm -hmm. 2017 four wins 10 losses two ties 2016. 2016. I know we went on like a 20 game win streak or something like that. It won't. It won't tell. It won't actually tell me the actual streak uh, for it uh, for 2016. But it was a lot better. Uh, mm -hmm. So we had been. We have been regressing when it comes to away wins. We had been regressing from four wins to two wins last mm -hmm. year so it's about time i think it's time that the the team would have a better uh road appearances and i know we were kind of stoked when we defeated orange county sc away yeah. i expect to see more of that this year yes and we start I, I say i say i was a good luck charm for that because i got to go on that 
uh, orange that podcast, orange, orange and black. black podcast. Yes, and they were talking about. Oh, I'd be shocked if, of course, if RGVFC could come. Even I was. I said. Yeah. I said that exact same thing. I'd be shocked if we could come out of there with a win. I'm hoping for a tie, of course. Mm-hmm. And. We we won, which was awesome because it shows that this team, even last year, had that that drive to do better mm-hmm. throughout that whole season. Yeah, it, it took for them to accommodate their the the ideas of how they wanted to play, what players would be the best fit for that, and they were able to get decent results at the end. I feel this this season was going to be uh was going to be more of of those uh better results hopefully. Um I think that I think I I think other than that I think we should, I think it's a good this is a good place to call it a night. Um yeah. We talked about everything. We even talked about a little bit of chat Concacaf champions. Um what did you think about the yesterday's match? Or the day uh Tuesday's match. Two Tuesday's match. Yeah, um it was well. It started off not great for sure for Houston. It looked like a team that could not beat Olia MX team. Basically, mm-hmm. it looked like a team that just felt sloppy. Yes, of course. Um, which this is kind of true. It's the delays. I know that Sean has he brought it on one of the Generation Orange shows when it was LAFC that we played against at home after that rain delay. Mm. RDVFC has never, or excuse me, Houston Dynamo has never been good at coming off of rain delays, which we technically did. And so, of course, that happens, and then you get basically, that was a great performance by Guastatoya in that first half. Shot after shot after shot after shot after shot, and they finally get that goal, which was a beautiful goal. I have to admit. Oh, for for sure, considering that they should have gotten two technically, one mm. off the crossbar. Oh <laughs> yes, yes, yes. That one was a very scary one as well. And then of course, com- coming back from it is was just impressive from Houston. We we saw that last year with their drive to come back from games. And I guess once they got scored on, it woke them up and said, whoa, oh, crap, we've got to start playing actual soccer. We've got to start playing fundamental soccer, things like that. And, of course, yeah, they get those two straight goals. And once again, just real quick, I've got to say, Yahoo, you've got to get – you, you've got to get someone else to call the games because that that's an embarrassment. That man was totally biased for a Guatemalan football team. Who, who, who from America loves Guatemala? Yes, he probably has some family there. And just, I mean, that's, that was weird. That, he was super excited for that one goal, and then Houston scores, and he was half that. And then at the closing minutes was very monotone. That's not okay. No, yeah, I think I think I think both of us could would be better uh, play by play narrators. Yes, but of course, once again, we're too connected with Houston, so then we'd be called biased too. So, well, you know, it doesn't really have to be like that. I mean, I, I think I think uh, it's 
I think the it is by vi- viable to. Yes, you support the the Dynamo or like mm-hmm. Glenn Davis. Like Glenn Davis, you can he when you hear him narrate, yeah, he talks about the, the Houston Dynamo, but the way he calls the goals, it's pretty equanimous. Like it doesn't matter if Houston scored or if the other team scored, he'll call them out. He'll call them uh, the same way. Uh, yeah, either way, he's uh, really impressive. I, I say just because he really uh, works outside of just Houston Dynamo. He gets that opportunity to sometimes be on ESPN for women's soccer. The World and Cup. And, of course, for the World Cup would be on Fox. So, um, I think for for me, the big, the biggest concern that I had, or my biggest gripe, and I was telling, I was telling uh, Josh about it uh, after, after the match, and it was like, so Coach uh, Coach Wilmer was at RGV this past weekend, and uh, Ray interviewed him after the match. After we call, after we talked to Coach Chaveri, and um, one of the biggest things that he said was, "We need, we cannot underestimate Guasatoya, and we need to play like make sure that we go out there and respect them, but." determined to do the right thing mm-hmm. yet you look at the lineup and see pretty much a b team and you're like how is this not underestimating wasatoya <laughs> and we almost pay dearly for that yeah, yeah. um i don't yeah it, it's well it's tough to say we did have a lot of regular starters in that lineup as well. And, of course, we did have that one-goal cushion. So, in a way, of course, yes, he Wilmer still wanted to get some things right before we play Real Salt Lake. Mm-hmm. But at the same exact time, just like you said, yeah, we were still kind of undermining them. Of course, once they got that goal, you did see that substitution. Mm-hmm. And that substitution was a big one. And, of course, you still had... Maro. Yeah, Maro Minotas to save the day, which, once again, brings us back to... He's going to most... If you run him like this, he's going to get tired, and then we're going to have to get call in a bench warmer and get burned for that or pay for that dearly, maybe in the CONCACAF Champions League, but most likely in the MLS championship which mm-hmm. yes of course you want to win a con- you want to win an international trophy that's fantastic it's always it always feels good but you also want to win the league you want to win that league and yes of course one game won't kill your season which and I, actually I do take back that sentence dearly because one game can kill your season in the MLS we have Houston Dynamo have proven that multiple times as in maybe the one game that I can really remember was giving away three points at home to Sporting Kansas City with an own goal basically by the Giles Barnes. Glad that he's not with Houston Dynamo anymore. But yeah, you can get burned with that. And so I say we need someone to really just sub out not frequently but maybe he'll start one game 
and then we'll get that guy to start the next game. I know we probably have that player, but Mm-hmm. You can't use him for every game is what I'm really trying to say. All right, guys. So I think I think this is a good this is a good place to to end it. It is nine twelve at this moment. So we are we actually ran the full two hours this time. So thank you guys for thank you guys for joining us in, in this uh, episode of Down in the Valley. Uh, really appreciate y'all support, all your likes, all, all your your comments in the chat. Blues fan, Callow. Uh, Gilberto uh, and everybody who participated in the chat, thank you all so much for uh, for, for communicating with us. You guys make you guys make this podcast go by really really quick. It did not feel like two hours. Um, be sure to follow our social media. Uh, follow uh, Down in the Valley at Down in the RGV on Twitter. Follow the Spanish version of Down in the Valley DITV Podcast underscore ES. Also follow. Uh, on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash down in, uh, down in the RGV. Uh, follow our personal uh, Twitters. Mine is Eochoa underscore eight. Jacob Young. Uh, uh, J- Jacob Young. Jacob Young four, five, six. I keep on, I, I, the thing is like, I keep on conf- confusing me- between your other, other, uh, your other profile, which is a, a different number at the end. So, yeah, and if you want to follow me on Instagram, Jake Young ninety nine yes yeah that well, one was already taken because I believe when I was a child at twelve years old I was able to have a Twitter account and that first one was twenty nine and that second one if I'm not mistaken was ninety nine and I finally remembered my passcode for this obviously permanent one and that's why it's four five six. <laughs> And so, so yeah, be sure to uh, Instagram, EOCHO underscore eight for me as well. Uh, Instagram uh, for Down in the Valley is also Down in the RGV. Uh, also, follow us on, uh, obviously, on our podcasting platforms, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcast, iTunes, Stitchers, Stitcher, BGNFM. Be sure to follow us, subscribe, and uh, share all of our podcasts. I will try to have this podcast uploaded by tonight. Uh, it's segmented, like I said, for your convenience. Uh, be sure to check out our friends at Beautiful Game Network. They they have uh, helped uh, helped us out in that regard of being able to uh, be hosted in these pod, uh, podcasting platforms. Follow them at uh, in on Twitter uh, at the BGNFM. Thank you, Blues fan, for the cla- for the applause. Really, really appreciate it. Uh, also, be sure to um, Facebook uh, the Beautiful Game Network. Um, follow the BGN Written, where Ray will be posting. Uh, hopefully, in the future, he'll start once again with the Orange Blocks. Uh, follow me uh, for the Spanish speakers. Follow my articles at mentefutbolera.com. I will be writing articles about RGVFC and the. So you know what's interesting is that I I. Re- I uploaded the article for this past Saturday's match and the article, each article has like the social media share counter. I think the the Toros one actually got like, if I'm not mistaken, it got like maybe like 10 shares or something like that, which I was like, holy, holy smokes. Like I was not ex- expecting that many people actually, hold on. I was not expecting that many people to share an RGVFC uh, article, but thank you guys for for your for your support in that. We got yes, ten ten shares on that. Um, so follow that. Follow, I believe, 
uh, I think I believe you were you were deciding to see if you were going to return to uh, writing knowledge because now you're working for the monitor with stats. Yeah. So mm-hmm. be on the lookout for that. I'm still trying to figure out when the jersey reveal is going to be. So uh, please be patient with that, uh, with that, with that aspect. Um, any other news that come up, follow us on our uh, on our social media. Thank you guys for tuning in tonight. We hope to see each other next Thursday. Uh, at 7 p.m. here and down in the valley. Next Wednesday will also be a uh, uh, Generation Orange at 7 p.m. for the Houston Dynamo, Houston Dash, RGVFC uh, talk. If you guys did not see uh, uh, if yesterday's uh, episode, you guys have to watch it. Besides the fact that I was playing Healed yesterday, thank you, Blues fan, for giving me that idea. Jacob, if you want to get mad at somebody, get mad at Blues Fan. He was the one with the idea for me to come out with a Tigris uh, shirt on, uh, <laughs> yeah. on, the, on the show. Uh, oh, wait, what? They got it in eight minutes. Good Lord. No way. <laughs> oh, looks like, there, looks like that yeah. Spanish team is in trouble then. Gerso. Gerso got it. 1-0. Toluca has to score five. They're done. Yep. So thank you. Thank you all for, for, for your support. Uh, we'll see each other next week. Jacob, thank you for, for, uh, for coming on the show t- uh, this week. Like you always do really, really mm-hmm. appreciate it. Uh, hope to see, uh, get some good news out of tomorrow. If I hear anything from tomorrow's uh, friendly, I will post it on I will post it on social media if I am allowed to. The because it's going to be kind of cl- behind closed doors, it is kind of iffy on the subject on whether people will actually want to release such things, and if they do, they'll probably want to keep it off the record. So um, just hope that I'm able to I'm able to release release that uh, that info. Um, so until next time. Uh, this has this has been down in, down in the valley. Take take care and hashtag we are todos hashtag somos todos and hashtag down in the valley. Take care. You've listened to Down in the Valley, an RGVSC internet show and podcast. We air every Thursday night at 7 p.m. Central on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Down in the Valley. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Down in the RGV and our website at downinthergv.com. Also, we want to thank our friends from the Beautiful Game Network for their help in bringing our podcast to you, our audience. Be sure to follow them on Twitter and Facebook at the BGNFM. Finally, Be sure to also check out their sponsor, Roughneck Scarves. They are the official scarf supplier of the USL, MLS, and NCAA. Thank you, and we'll see you next week for the next episode.